Welcome to the New York Lucis Trust Full Moon Meditation Meeting. Each month we work together as a group to contact, hold, and distribute spiritual energy in the service of humanity and all life forms. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T dot org. Greetings and welcome to the first full moon meditation meeting of the year. I wanted to announce that this talk was written by Steve Nation, but due to the weather, uh, he's unable to be here. So It seems rather auspicious to the starting of the year with the sun in the sign of Aquarius, a sign that's said to be of supreme importance to our solar system at this time. As we move forward through the decades of the 21st century, we can expect its importance and its significance to grow. For indeed, Aquarius, with its accompanying seventh ray, is probably more responsible than any other sign for the changes taking place right now in the earth and humanity and in our own lives. New wine is flowing into old bottles. Aquarian energies expose us to the airy vision of wholeness and interdependence, forcing us to deal with the problems that come with the wholeness vision, and forcing us as well to assume responsibility for the quality of the environments in which we live, the environment of the natural world, as well as the environment of thought and of living spirituality. The image for the sign is of a person standing poised and composed, holding a water pot on the shoulder. Waters flow freely from the pot, bringing healing wherever it is needed, quenching the thirst for a touch of reality. In many cultures, the word for water is the same as the word for life, and this gives us the clue to the meaning of the image. The water of life which is poured forth for all who are thirsty refers not to the watery world of emotions of the astral body, but instead to the waters of space, the life force of the cosmos. One of the results of these Aquarian waters now flowing through the life of humanity is the increasing focus on service and on group consciousness in so many spiritual and religious communities. As we move through time and through the generations, we can imagine that our understanding of the archetype of spiritual groups dispensing healing energies will continue to deepen and mature and will be expressed with a growing authenticity, simplicity, and generosity. This is the future that Aquarius offers. We can expect that as a result of generations of focused spiritual work, brain cells around the pineal gland are beginning to awaken. Increasingly, groups will be able to use the third eye, the eye of Shiva, to see the work they have to do. During the coming decades, it makes sense to think that intuition will flourish in ways that have never happened before, so that the synthesis underlying the diversity of the incarnated world will be revealed and seen for what it is.
for students of the writings in the Alice Bailey books, this new year, 2019, can be seen as an especially important year for esoteric work. The year concludes with a festival week from December 21st to 28th, which is said to occur every seven years. The suggestion is that during the week, the energies of Capricorn that normally flow at the end of December will be augmented by energies from a great and mysterious constellation, which is to our zodiac what the zodiac is to the earth. D.K. describes the seven-yearly event as a week of group impact when the entire group of world servers receives an energetic boost, something like an overshadowing. Another hint about the significance of this year is that there will be two Aries full moons, bringing a double potency of forces of resurrection so that the tension held during the three spiritual festivals will be spread over four months rather than the usual three, and the Easter festival being observed much earlier than usual on March 21st. For now, however, let us enter the field of group mind where we are at one with all who are meditating for group service during this day of preparation for tomorrow's full moon and then expand that vision of a fused group mind to include the plane of illumination, the plane of hierarchy, where we become open to the livingness of that great avatar, the Aquarian Christ, he who shows the light and gives the water. Can we hold that alignment for a moment of quiet before sounding together the mantra of group fusion which is found on your chairs on a card? In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. The Greek story of Hercules speaks of a series of tasks, apparently impossible challenges, the hero must complete. In the eleventh task, which has much to tell us about Aquarius, he's called upon to turn his attention away from the quest for light, which has generally been his goal. Now he must turn to the dark and look towards the needs of a vast community of people 
who are trapped in what we can only think of as a nightmare over which they have no control. Hercules is to travel to the kingdom of Augeas, where he's instructed to solve what we might think of as a very modern pollution problem caused by all powerful rulers' selfishness and lack of concern for the welfare of subjects. The king owned a large block of stables, housing very well-fed and immortal animals. But he was so immersed in his own issues and pleasures that the stables were never properly looked after. For 30 years, they were never cleaned out. The dung from the animals accumulated until by the time the hero arrives, the entire kingdom was in a state of crisis. Air quality was appalling, the stench was everywhere, and a fatal epidemic was spreading throughout the kingdom with bodies piling up. On top of this, famine was threatening. Fields had become so rich from the runoff flowing through the stables that crops were failing. The king was immobilized by his fear that the job of cleaning out the stables had become insurmountable. And without the king's support or his will to find a solution, nothing could be done. Hercules was commanded to perform a miracle, persuade the king to let him relieve the population from the source of its misery, and then come up with a way to do the work to clean the stables. There is a suggestion in some telling of the story that the task was given to Hercules actually to humiliate him, cut him down to size and reveal to the gods his human failings. Yet however we understand this, in obedience to the command, the hero traveled to the kingdom and approached Augeas, offering to solve the problem by cleaning the stables and asking for nothing in return. This seemed like a pro preposterous suggestion to the king who couldn't believe that anyone could complete such a mission. No one, he concluded, would be able to make an offer without expecting a huge reward. Either Hercules was some dreamy idealist who lived in a world of fantasy, or as was more likely and more threatening to the king, this was all part of a devious plan to steal the crown's accumulated wealth. And so the ever-skeptical Augeas made an offer. Clean the stables within a single day and I will give you one-tenth of all my animals. But if you fail, your life and all your possessions will be in my hands. Focused on the job in hand, Hercules agreed to the terms. Remember, Hercules is the universal hero, the disciple willingly facing tests and challenges so that he can gain the experience needed to grow in wisdom and pass through the portals of initiation. When the sun is in Aquarius, the challenge for Hercules and for us is to turn away from the light and face the dark. The mountains of animal dung in the story suggest that we are asked to face the darkness of accumulated human separateness and materialism that we find within ourselves as well as within the shallowness and superficiality of our cultures and nations, focusing attention on the deep-seated thirst for joy, beauty, and meaning that this shallowness creates. This thirst for the light can be understood as the invocation of the times 
buried, repressed, unspoken and unconscious, the wasteland of the passing Piscean consciousness thirsts for redemption and for the healing flow of the waters of life. Drawing on the airy nature of Aquarius, Hercules changes the way he looks at the problems. Instead of narrowing his vision to the focus solely on the stables, he stood above the scene. From this higher perspective, he saw the stables as part of a wider environment. And from this simple act of changing his perspective, Hercules immediately saw that the stables were between two rivers, and the rivers flowed with cleansing waters. All that he had to do was create a channel for those waters to flow through the stables and save the kingdom. And so the deed was accomplished in one day. But there's more to the story. The king, deciding he was tricked, refused to keep his promise and banished Hercules from the kingdom. Yet the hero's task was to bring healing energy to the people and the natural world, and this he did. And in the version of the tale recorded by the Tibetan, Hercules is rewarded by the gods with the jewel of the eleventh labor. The, the reward is because in this labor he had become a server of the world. During the Aquarius full moon, we can draw inspiration from this image of the task facing all aspirants and disciples at this time to exercise the will and the wisdom, to see from a higher perspective, and so to become servers of the world, motivated more by the intention to respond to the deep thirst in the people and cultures of our time than proceed on the path towards the light. And we can also take inspiration from the image of a full moon tide of energies when waters of life flow through all the fields of group mind and heart where the new humanity is emerging. We can imagine these airy waters flowing freely, abundantly, without restrictions, blockages, or repressions. And as we imagine this pouring forth, it's important to recognize that waters of life have magical properties. They cleanse and purify, heal and redeem. They quench the unspoken hidden thirst for meaning and purpose, for joy and beauty, for a new experience of the majesty and magnificence of the magnificence of the sacred that is to be found within. The great image of these waters of life and of the Christ as the one who shows the light and gives the water, is an image of a flow of life-sustaining energy outward to those in need. Consider the need for spiritual sustenance and depth of meaning that exists in the heart and mind of our consumer-driven age, the need to break down walls of cynical materialism, the need to see and experience something of the richness of soul and the tenderness of heart that comes when the mind is able to see both the synthesis of spirit, mind, and body and the beauty of quiet, patient work to build this inner knowing into the details 
of human relationships and expression. The Aquarian mind finds it increasingly possible to see the whole in the part and to see the world as a place of dynamic movement and process rather than a fixed stasis of unchanging and unchangeable relationships that seem always somehow stuck into lesser and dualistic and separated. We're living in challenging times when there's no tendency to see the good, the beautiful, and the true only in large movements that sometimes understandably use ideology and language and slogans to suggest that they are something that they're not. The lower side of Aquarius can present a face that says it is of the new, whereas in reality there may be little to back up the fine words and the marketing. And so it can happen that nations and cultures become divided up into those who are supposedly progressive and those who are supposedly conservative. One of the dangers in this is that we lose our ability to value the creative tension arising when those who want change fast join with those who want change to come at a more gradual and less disruptive pace. Another danger in the simplistic division between left and right is that we don't push ourselves to look for the presence of the group of world servers and of genuine goodwill in the other side. Many servers will be called, and often rightly called, to engage in the political battles that are confronting nations. That is a noble calling and can be a place of genuine vision. Yet there's also a deeper engagement beyond politics that is desperately needed. When Hercules faced the polluted fields and communities of the kingdom of Augeas, he changed his point of observation. From a higher perspective, he saw that the polluted stables were in fact bordered by purifying waters. By seeing the relation between the stables and the surrounding environment, Hercules saw that the sources of healing were already present. And so it is now, with the fixed polarization of opposing ideologies. There's a need to look beyond the ideology of left and right in the quest to recognize those individuals and groups that are genuinely concerned about the shallowness of selfish materialism and that have seen beyond sound bites, postures, and slogans. Every culture, every community includes people who have the potential to facilitate and nurture muscular networks of goodwill, places of love that can inspire others to find meaning and creativity. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day in the United States, so it's useful to consider words from his final Christmas sermon when he spoke of this muscular Aquarian expression of love as understanding, creative, redemptive goodwill to our, towards all men. Broadly speaking, an astrological age is said to last approximately 2,000 years. I guess it's true of any time of change that when the vision of the new is fresh within us and change is taking place 
on all sides with a confusing mix of new and old playing themselves out in the public con- conversation, we can be disappointed that we're not as a species or even as a nation or even as individuals closer to the vision of future possibilities than we had always believed that we would be. The chaos can provide a good reality check. There's still work to do. Aquarius is just in its earliest stages. Pisces continues to be very much present. We still look to the future as a new age. And it has not yet been born. It remains slightly mysterious, and our thinking about it is often idealistic, sometimes even sentimental, because even though we may have some understanding of the principles of the age, we don't yet know what its human shape will be. The hands and feet of the civilization are as yet unformed. We know very little about the details or the structures that will unfold, the economics, the politics, the environmental relationships, or even the psychology of this new era. The creative possibilities of human freedom are only beginning to be sensed. Yet we still should take heart that the birthing is in process, whether we can see it or not, and most importantly, that this birthing is happening in and through our own lives, that we are being stretched to develop a will to love and to serve, which is almost not quite, but almost more than seems to be possible within the apparent limitations of our DNA. And most importantly, we need to balance this practical, down-to-earth sense of what remains to be done with the prophecy of Christ's coming, this time as world teacher and initiator. That is something in the hands of the forces of light and hierarchy. Our role as aspirants, disciples, and discipleship groups is to respond to the world need, to sense the thirst in humanity and respond to that thirst. It's our task as individuals and groups to bring the water pitcher up onto our shoulders and hold it there with balance and poise to serve without any sense of self, to spread love in our environment, And as we do this, to creatively lift the unconscious thirst we find around us into a focused, concentrated act of invocation. As with the Piscean Age, the Aquarian Age will gradually take hold through a cycle of three major movements, or in astrological language, decanates. Each of these movements will be conditioned by three different combinations of influences from constellation and stars of the heavenly realm. Those human beings who have their feet on some level of the discipleship path are said to enter the Aquarian Age in the first movement, in other words, this current period of several hundred years, under the strong influence of Saturn. Much later in the Aquarian Age, they will pass on to a cycle of several centuries influenced by Mercury and will mark the culmination and final centuries of the age in Venus. 
for the large majorities of the population who are still in the process of building up the personality and have not yet been challenged with the trials of the discipleship path, the first movement of the Aquarian age will be primarily conditioned by Venus, then by Mercury, and finally, at the end of the age, in a cycle influenced by Saturn. What does all this mean? It has huge significance in how we understand our own time of transformation, past decades that we have lived through and the decades that are immediately to come. For vast numbers of individuals, entrance into the Aquarian age under the influence of Venus means that instinctual mind or affection is stimulated and developed. This is brotherly love in embryo. But it is not that aspect of mind in which intelligent brotherly love automatically breathes. It is instead romantic, personal attachment, emotional sensitivity to another, bonding. Many hundreds of years later, those on the clockwise wheel will pass under the influence of Mercury when there will be a slow unfolding of the mind. And then in the final centuries of the age, when the coming age of Capricorn will begin to unsettle things, Saturn will foster conflicts with the accompanying suffering, and as a result, right at the end of the age, the vast bulk of the human family will learn to choose rightly, analyze correctly, and set their feet upon the path of right values. This sounds like a rather depressing vision of Aquarius. We must wait for thousands of years before right choice even begins to be considered. But before we become thoroughly depressed, we need to note that there is another more significant dynamic at play. Those who have passed through the great turning and have begun to, in some way, to tread the discipleship path, we're speaking here of millions of people, enter this initial phase of the Aquarian age under the influence of Saturn, not Venus. Saturn, D.K. writes, is the planet of discipleship, of opportunity, It is exceedingly active today, presenting to the world disciple those difficult situations and crises which will involve free choice, discriminative pioneering, wise response, and correct decision, thus bringing about the destruction of that which hinders without the relinquishing of any true values of which humanity may be aware. Even back in the late 1930s and 40s, When D.K. was giving out these teachings, before the wave of idealism that swept the world after the Second World War, the proportion of aspirants and thinking idealists, those on the reversed wheel, was greater than at any previous time in human history. This generated a great turning of the wheel for humanity as a whole. And what this means is that the human species is now entering the Aquarius age through Saturn, even though large numbers of individuals are still building up their personalities and developing the muscles of the self-centered will. And so may we stand as servers with a water pot on our shoulders as we settle into the first movement of the transition into a new era. May we, with gentle, quiet focus, 
play our part in this grand process. And may our group work today in visualization, creative meditation, invocation, and radiation be filled with an abundant flow of the waters of life, pouring forth for thirsty men, women, and children, creatures, plants, and all manner of beings of the earth. So now we work together with our meditation, letting in the light. He who faces the light and stands within its radiance is blinded to the issues of the world of men. He passes on the lighted way to the great center of absorption. But he who feels the urge to pass that way yet loves his brother on the darkened path, revolves upon the pedestal of light, and turns the other way. He faces towards the dark, and then the seven points of light within himself transmit the outward streaming light, and lo, the face of those upon the darkened way receives that light. For them the way is not so dark. Behind the warriors, Twixt the light and dark blazes the light of hierarchy. We come together in group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul, pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. And then we extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
entire interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energy streaming into Shampala, radiated through hierarchy. Endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
meditation. Reflect upon this seed thought for Aquarius. Water of life am I, poured forth for thirsty men. Precipitation. 
using the creative imagination. Visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on Earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram and sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love I stand. From that center I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through hierarchy, streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. 
consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. So tomorrow is the exact time of the full moon at uh, 12.15 in the morning. 
And this is a lunar eclipse, a powerful lunar eclipse, so the energies are magnified. And then our next uh, meeting will be the new moon, the Aquarius new moon meeting, which will be held on Monday, February 4th at 6 p.m. And we invite you all to attend here in our offices. And then the next full moon meeting will be on Monday, February 18th at 6.30. So thank you all for your participation. Thank you for your participation in this group service. Please join us again next month. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org.